Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 18th of October 2010. Now, newcomers should always go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and on the website you'll see all the other official sites I have listed there. If you ever experienced sticky downloading, when you're to the com site, try these alternate sites because so many go into the com at the same time sometimes and it happens that they'll get sticky downloads. And remember too that all of those sites have, uh, as well as all the audios, hundreds of audios for download for free. They also have a lot of transcripts for prints up of a lot of the talks I've given over the years too. And if you want transcripts in other languages than English, uh, go into Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel. .eu, and you can take your pick from a, a whole bunch there. And well, I'm at it too. I've got to remind you that you're the audience that bring me to you because I depend upon the, the people who listen to keep supporting me. And I don't have much to sell at all. I don't have much time to write much more either. And uh, if I did, I'd be um, doing a bit better than I am, I am now. But uh, buy the books in a distance, so on I have for sale. And hopefully uh, that'll keep me going for a little while longer. You can buy them from the U.S. Uh, if you, uh, to Canada by using a personal check, still accepted in Canada from the U.S., an international postal money order, or you can use PayPal to donate or to purchase. If you want to purchase, send the, the donation, and then followed by a separate email with the name, address, and the order, and I'll get it out to you. And across the rest of the world, same idea. You've got some... Um, PayPal to order or donate. You've also got Western Union, which is a bit steep. And you have MoneyGram, which is a bit cheaper. Uh, some people just send cash, and that so far still gets through too. And they still accept it at the banks as well, although all currencies are really crashing down. I think the U.S. is below the Canadian dollar and has been for quite some time now. Once, once you pay the transfer fee up in Canada, that is. So... It's up and down like a yo-yo, but don't think it's out of control. It's all planned this way. That's how the world is really planned. Um, it's planned way ahead of any major thing that happens to you. The big boys never let anything happen that's not under their control. They actually make things happen always for another purpose. And all this carry on with the money and the bank crashes, apart from stealing everybody's homes and bringing in more and more private property and rental accommodation for their brave new world scenario. It's, it's also to... Um, basically bring in the IMF as as the the debt collector for the World Bank, which we're running all of our lives shortly. And that's why it was set up in the first place. Now it's coming up to its full power. That's what's really going on in the world. And the New World Order has been printed up many, many times what it's all about by those involved in setting up today. Uh, they were published in the books 100 years ago, and then 50 years ago, a lot of them came out, the big players, and published their own books and their memoirs and so on, and told us exactly what kind of world they would bring in. There's no mystery about it whatsoever. The only mystery is that people still are unable to accept it. They are suspended in disbelief 
that they're actually doing it. And so they'd rather not believe it's actually because it was planned a long time ago. They'd rather believe things happen by the day and we just stub our toes in the morning and the politicians kiss them better at night. That's what they'd rather believe and nothing is further from the truth. Nothing happens, even world wars, never mind Middle Eastern wars, nothing happens on even the world scale without much planning, years of planning going into it and it has to always come down in favor of the big agenda. And we do live through a big agenda. Personally, I'm pretty certain that even when they started off the industrial revolution, that they understood where they would be at this time and where they would go from here and beyond. I'll be back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watford, cutting through the Matrix. And the Matrix is akin to the system you're born into, the Plato's Cave, and it's very much like the the, the, the caves in uh, the north of India, where secret societies uh, used to have their meetings, and you can go through one cave and then go up ladders into the next one above it, different floors for different degrees. And that's kind of like Plato's Cave that we live in. There's different floors, different realities, depending on which level you happen to live in. And it also depends on which level you want to stay in, really. And most folk prefer to stay at the bottom. It's too familiar to them. They're kind of scared of finding anything out that bursts any kind of bubbles. But that's what you're living in, is, is a created reality. It's augmented by your, your, your scientific indoctrination in school. And... Um, that's what that the guys who set up the present school systems called it, the scientific indoctrination. Bertrand Russell said, in fact, it wouldn't matter what parents try to pass on to, to the values to the children uh, when they came home from school because the scientific indoctrination had proven with an experimentation in experimental schools back in the 1920s in his day uh, that uh, the children would literally be programmed to ignore, literally ignore whatever the parents said wouldn't even consider what they were they're saying, in fact. It was so perfectly done. And, of course, we know, too, that Don, John Dewey was brought in as well. And then the Frankfurt School came in with it all with the same technique, and that's a system that's used across the whole Western world. They did not want, as in their own words, uh, using the same terminology, by the way, as the communists used to contaminate the children with old ideas and old values and old moralities. But... That's been awfully successful, and um, that's where Plato's Cave really exists, is where you're stuck with your, your conditioning, your present conditioning, and you will believe that all there is in your life uh, is what you're taught at school, and then it's augmented by all the media as you grow up afterwards and you mature, uh, and you have no reason to question it. Why should it be a big, big con? Well, it's reality management, you have all kinds of management in this world, and reality management is one of them. I've gone through the histories of Bernays and others, who were the great magicians of this. And of course, they themselves didn't invent the science. They inherited the science, and not just from their uncles like Freud, but from the people who taught Freud long, long before that. 
These are old sciences kept quiet. Why would you share the magic secrets of controlling the, the minds of millions of people? You'd never do that. And the ancients, of course, studied this uh, tremendously well of how to lord over different peoples, including different kinds or cultures of people. Uh, one of the great stories is when the, the races went into, the Aryan races went into India. Uh, there's a story of a prince who was allocated a certain region, very, very same, similar to the Norwegians going into Europe. They gave the overlords certain land tracts and so on. And in India, uh, this one prince was given the land over, uh, there's many different um, ethnic groups in India, but this particular ethnic group. So he got his wise men to study them for a couple of years, and they dreamed up and came out with the perfect religion for those people, and, and they took it very, very well. And the next generation, of course, were totally indoctrinated, and that was their whole new reality. Everything that they knew in life had to refer back to the religion for validation and verification, and that was the reality. And that's how the world is today. It's science, of course. Experts say, that's all they have to say. Now, experts say, or experts have discovered, and everyone's parroting it and changing their behavior because the experts say so. Uh, that's how, how easy it is today. We're all trained this way. And Russell again uh, said that's how they would create the society. That eventually the time would come where no one would make a move without expert opinion, expert advice. And we're living it through uh, the, 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 the grand finale of this stage of it, of course, as New World Order goes on to the part two, three, four, five, six, whatever part it happens to be at. And... Um, it's a combination, as I say, of the, the left-wing stuff from, from Karl Marx and even writers before Karl Marx, of course. He wasn't the supreme guy that dreamt up the manifesto. His name wasn't even on it in the beginning. And uh, it's a combination of that and the big world bankers, the, the Milner Group, of course, who combined with the Rhodes uh, Society and the Round Circle Society, Round Table Society, and became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, who wanted global governance uh, with uh, United Nations set up to be the sort of uh, focal point, the hub that everything went through for, for validation, and that's where treaties all come from, and right down to planning permission for your, for, for your septic tank. It comes from the United Nations, and every country signs it into laws, the building codes, across the whole world now, and you must go by them. It's a standardization process to, so that the big boys will no longer have to send out private collectors for debt or whatever. They get governments to do it all for them. That's the beauty of it for the banking point of view. Governments, you send out, they hire the guys. The governments will have full-time employees just going around kicking folk out of their houses and collecting taxes and stealing their homes, stuff like that. It's much, much easier. And it takes the heat off the bankers, you know, and the government becomes hated instead. That's how the world is really, really run. And the New World Order, too, is to come into a smart, a smart system, you see. The smart system being the utopia that the great socialists dreamed upon about. Now, the, the socialists have nothing to do with the working classes, except they love to use them. Uh, and you can tell that by the, those who founded the, uh, the Fabian Society, the Webbs, Sidney and Beatrice Webb. Beatrice, her real name was Potter. And she wrote the children's stories with a lot of social values in there, tucked in, as all novelists do. And um, they, wrote, they were the ones who invented what we call today bureaucraties, 
which all countries use, uh, that you have to go through so much, you have to get lawyers to interpret it all. Because it's so complex. And the founding, uh, funders of it initially were the Astor family. Incredibly wealthy family from New York who went over to Britain and got made Lord and Lady Astor. So these were the ones who got the, the working classes, some of the fools anyway, to actually believe they were standing up for them so that they could take over their lives for them and regulate their lives for them and eventually sterilize them too, by the way, because it was them, it was those guys who dreamt up the idea of compulsory sterilization uh, and that Hitler picked up on it, of course. He borrowed the idea from, from them and from the Rockefeller Foundation that was part of this big world agency, and he put it into practice. He got all the, the blame for it, although the Russians have been doing it for longer than him. So, reality is a very convoluted thing. You have to dig and dig and dig. You must retain your memory as you're learning, and you must add to your memory as you're learning with each topic too, when you get more and more bits to fill in the blank spots. And you must also realize that history is always being changed. If you can get hold of the old books from up to the 1920s to the 1930s, it's not too bad. After World War II, everything changed. History, reality, everything changed. And censorship came in awfully, awfully heavily after World War II. As to who publishes what, who will say what, and, and so on. Uh, the CIA even got involved big time in the culture industry with music, uh, all publications, even novel writings. They hired thousands of guys to write novels, and even poets were hired to do the same thing. Not only in the U.S., but across Britain and a base in France as well as, as well as one in Germany, West Germany. So a reality is constantly being given to us, and new realities are given all the time. It's interesting, you know, that um, when you go into places like Cambodia and look at its history, uh, they were flattened and annihilated pretty well, and they were bombed back to the Stone Age by carpet bombing by the U.S. Air Force that denied it was doing anything to it under Richard Nixon and Kissinger. Kissinger was a big real mover and shaker behind Nixon with his geopolitical um, wars and so on. Still on the go today, of course. But in Cambodia, uh, when uh, Pol Pot took over as the big dictator, when the bombing stopped and killed millions of people in typical um, soft communist type fashion, he he, create, he he set he actually set the calendar to start off at year zero, being the time when they actually announced that they'd won. Year zero, and that's when all time started and all history started. Is when he took over. And all the libraries that were left, that were pretty well bombed in pretty bad shape, uh, had all their books destroyed. All the books were destroyed because nothing had to remain of the past. And a new history was created. A new reality was created. And we're kind of going through that today with the Internet. Many articles I've read over the past uh, years have been pulled sometimes the day after I've read them. By mainstream, even. I've had letters from reporters asking me if I could remove the links from my website because they had actually pulled the stories after I read them. Because sometimes in the stories I'll point out and put in the bits that the reporter leaves out. 
which could be negligence on their part, but generally there's a deliberate omission because, you see, if you don't give the whole story, you'll get a completely false impression of what's going on and definitely a false conclusion. That's how easy it is to manipulate the minds of people. And even science articles from mainstream science, I've, I've, talk, I've, I've read on the air, and then again filled in all the, the contradictions of other findings, etc., etc., and had them pulled the following day as well. That's how quickly it's pulled today, and that's what George Orwell talked about, the memory hole. Reality would constantly be in flux as they created new heroes and, uh, and, and heroes would, would turn into bad guys and be annihilated and simply omitted from the history books. Back with more after this message. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix talking about the, the memory hole, as George Orwell called it. And George Orwell knew the agenda, he knew it very well, and he was always in correspondence too with Aldous Huxley. Uh, the both of them discussed different ways of what they, how they saw this totalitarian regime manifesting. And of course Huxley went the scientific route where he thought, it, he hoped they could, they could gradually convince the public, con the public, and fool them into the new system step by step without too much violence, whereas George Orwell knew they'd have to use a totalitarian regime to get that underway and then bring in the scientific techniques on top of it too. So they were both kind of rights. However, um, the memory holes, he said, he, he knew that history was to start changing then because, you see, the communists already in the Soviet system had already changed their histories to suit the communist regime. So every, all the past is rewritten, had to be written in such a way as to make Marxism seem an ultimate progression of a particular natural science that had to eventually dominate. So everything was readjusted to suit um, their actual re- regime that they brought in. And that's how, how it's done. I mean, whole, you're thinking, you're talking about millions of people were subjected to a, a new reality, a new form of mind control. And of course, those who lived through the changes, um, as long as they didn't make a fuss of what had happened in the new Soviet regime and they knew what the past was like, um, couldn't even talk to their children about it because their children were really indoctrinated again with a scientific technique and were little, uh, happy little uh, Soviet-type Nazis. And that's been done right now with the greening campaigns and the children growing up and they're being taught that the, the older people had it too good, they, they, they ate up the planet and had it too good, they were selfish and left nothing for the future, and they're all bad people. And uh, all the experts that they see at school and on the videos tell them so. Even their cartoon figures tell them so as well. They've got cartoons out to do it. There's nothing you can sit and watch, even, even as a child, that isn't got indoctrination immersed in it, is embedded in it, to embed itself in your brain. I was going to mention that when you watch how things happen, very few people truly look at the media and the stories and think out what they're reading. Uh, what the, the headlines are meant to, to get you doing is to either get you angry or to get you to support what you read. That's as simple as that, to make you pro or anti 
whatever the topic happens to be. And that's how you're played with most things. And it depends what class you, 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 you belong to, uh, middle, upper, whatever, lower. Uh, really, the upper classes have their own media. We don't even see it. In fact, it doesn't get delivered to your doors. But um, everyone else falls into the, the categories of being pro and anti, whatever they read. And um, it's interesting that most folk don't even know how marketing works. And that you can be used, you, you can all be used as an audience to market something. And when people have you market them, they can charge more for advertising. Because it's just like people who sell newspapers, uh, according to their distribution rate and how many people buy per day, they say, well, we sell three, four, five, ten million per day or more, and your advertising rates go up. It's the same thing now with the Internet usage. And you can be used without knowing you're being used for profit. And so on. People don't really don't think too deeply about things. They, they, in fact, maybe they'll just do what they're told, when they're told. So I always look at all media as mainstream, and even even some Patriot Radio too. I always remember that Patriot Radio is still a business. Without business, there would be no radio. And some you have have more expertise in marketing. Uh, other ones go the old-fashioned way of trying to persuade by personalities and so on. So never forget that all media, all media can be used for other purposes other than informing you of what you think you want to be informed about. Now, yeah, there's three up on the line now. Yeah, there's Judy from Arizona. Are you there, Judy? Oh, she's off again. Uh, okay. Um, there's Maggie from Texas. Are you there, Maggie? Hello, Maggie. Yes, good evening, Alan. Um, you paint a very depressing picture of how uh, programmable and indoctrinable people uh, are, but surely there is a certain component of the human race that are just kind of resistant to all this. There, there are, it's like all diseases, you're right, you know, and all diseases, there's always a, a few come through unscathed uh, for some reason or another, and uh, maybe a better immune system, but... Uh, it's the same, too, when it comes to all media and so on. Um, we've always got to be on guard uh, that someone isn't using our brain for maybe their own purpose. Uh, 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 but most media, unfortunately, most mainstream media for sure, in fact, all mainstream, I would say, has, has always got a spin on whatever they push out. I've got a couple of examples I might read later on uh, to, just to show you how it works, in fact. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Well, um, even just regarding school, I know that I remember that even as a small child, I was very, very suspicious of the United Nations. I just didn't believe it was what they claimed it to be. I knew it was a scam of some kind, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't know what kind, and there was no one to talk to about this. Mm-hmm. I'd say hold on, Maggie, and we'll discuss that when we come back from this break. Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, 
Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting in through the Matrix, and Maggie's still on the line. Are you there, Maggie? Yes, I am, Alan. Yeah, you're talking about the United Nations and how you were suspicious of it when you were young. Yes. Um, so, uh, in, I guess it was about fourth or fifth grade. They were really going strong on that subject. I was about ten. And the way I saw it in my ten-year-old way was that this was an agreement between all the great great nations of the world to play nice in the sandbox. And I saw immediately, first I realized that you couldn't even get two kids to uh, keep an agreement to play nice in the sandbox for more than 20 minutes. But above that, I saw that, I, I realized that if, if that was the purpose of it, then that enormous superstructure and infrastructure that they had, it didn't need to be there. All they had to do was agree, period. Yeah. And here they had buildings and consuls and thousands of employees and all this. Uh, it didn't make sense in terms of the stated goal. So yeah. I knew something was going on other than what they said. Yes. Uh, what, what's your impression of it now, now that you know more about oh, it? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Well, you know, and I, I, as a kid, I saw the dots, but I was unable to connect them. And then when I discovered... Uh, uh, truth radio and began to listen to a, a large variety of, of people and came to understand how it was. As I got older, you know, my impression from my young years, my teens, 20s, even 30s, and uh, and even above that, was of the United Nations as this pitiful, helpless giant because it had been rigged in such a way, as I came to realize later, it had been rigged in such a way that Russia could veto anything, mm -hmm. so Russia was the bad guy pitted against all the good guys, and it could always throw a snag in any work. So they they seemed helpless, and they didn't seem to go anywhere or get anywhere. And now, of course, I realize that that whole thing was staged and that after the uh, breakup of the Soviet Union, which was also staged, that that set the stage for a new phase in which the United Nations would suddenly and in a very scary way begin to flex its muscle openly and show it. Yeah, by using NATO. Yeah, NATO is a branch of it, yeah. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes. And, and also you're right with the Russian part because uh, people don't realize that all through the Cold War, from, the, from its inception, in fact, of the, of the United Nations, uh, that the man who was in, put in charge of, um, or the person put in charge always as a supreme commander for the, the Department for War at the United Nations, had to always be under its charter from the Soviet Union. Oh, I so, didn't even so, realize that. Yeah, and, and all, MacArthur was the first one to complain about it because uh, when they were fighting uh, in Korea, they wanted to blow up some bridges and so on, and they kept coming down from the UN, no, no, you can't blow up these supply bridges where they're bringing in, in uh, ammunition and so on from mainland China. And um, he uh, he complained, and, he, and that's what it came out in the papers at the time, was that because uh, uh, the guy who was in charge of the, the military apparatus within the United Nations had to be always by the charter uh, from the Soviet Union. And the same thing during the Vietnam era. They knew everything before it happened, when it was happening, uh, because he would report what the objectives were of the U.S. So the whole thing was rigged. Yeah, well, now it's very, very... It's very, very clear, and I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. It's astonishing, too. And then you had the Rockefellers giving them the land to build. 
Now, how can a private um, individual give sovereign uh, sovereign status as the the area and the land that the UN sits on? It's, it's called a sovereign independent entity. And everyone who works in that building cannot be touched by any U.S. law. I mean, no one's ever explained to me or anyone else that I know of uh, how come the U.S. Congress and so on allowed this to happen. They cannot give chunks of America away to, to a private entity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. But it happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for all your wisdom, uh, Alan, and for continuing to uh, educate us on on the matters you talk about. And thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. And also there's, uh, let's even get Judy back, Judy from Arizona. Are you there, Judy? Here. You're there. Yes? Can you hear me from my yeah. cell phone here? Yes, I can, yeah. Oh, good. Um, I've been writing articles mainly on the global elite's forms of mind control since... Uh-huh. I think is the cell phone packed in? I think your cell phone's yeah, your cell phone's going and out. Okay, we'll try Brad from Texas. Is is Brad there? Oh. Hello. Hello. Yes. Yeah, I was uh listening to Maggie talk and I, I think she has a point. There are some of us who are kind of immune. I noticed that at a young age I didn't really it's not that I didn't trust television, I just thought something strange. It didn't seem to be telling us. The whole mm-hmm. story. Yep. And she was mentioning the UN. I, I was going to say, well, you know the place is a bad place when the Lucius Trust designed yep. their meditation room. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, most people don't even know uh, that the Lucius Trust, again, used to be called the Lucifer Trust under Blavatsky for Theosophy. And uh, the, they were funded by in the U.S. by the Rockefeller boys again. And they had their their main temple at 666 Rockefeller Plaza there, I think, or UN Plaza, 666. Uh, no, no kidding. And then they moved it into the UN building and, for, and called it the meditation room. And they, they, they imported a massive chunk of, uh, I think it was uh, um, jade, jade stone into it. That's a meditation stone, a huge thing, uh, for, because of their particular occult practices. But they actually have that within the United Nations and what's amazing is this, this organization um, promotes itself as a, as a basically a secular movement using uh, secular humanism to, to abolish religions across, across the planet that uh, oppose each other while they practice their own inner religion. It's quite fascinating, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he, she was mentioning McCarthy, or I guess you mentioned McCarthy. And you had James Forrestal who committed an Arkansas who was giving McCarthy a lot of his information. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. And, but my, what I mainly called about was uh, television. It seems like that's their tool of choice in, in general to condition the people. It's too easy. It's just too easy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it changes your brain state. You know, I have, I'm very aware of the different brain states. I have some binaural entrainment CDs that mm-hmm. help, you know, learn things and med- make, help you meditate. But uh, I was wondering, have you checked out, I'm sure you have, Press TV and uh, uh, Al Jazeera? Once in a while, I go into it, yeah. I think they're kind of like uh, Trojan horses because you don't – there is a grassroots movement in Iran to create a television state. It takes a lot of money, a lot of funding, a lot of capital. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some very wealthy men invested in that and created Al Jazeera or – Well, well the, the Al, Al Jazeera were, were created by the BBC. Okay, yeah. 
In fact, every one of the producers over there had been employed at the BBC. That's where they were trained. Okay, then it makes sense because I'd, I'd see, heard from some patriots that it was, you know, a little more open, but it's still globalist. I mean, they still push this global warming uh, nonsense, yeah. and they mm-hmm. still push this globalization. So they're really kind of a Trojan horse for some of the lesser educated patriots out there, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and they, they have them uh, in Iraq, too. They have a, a station there that pretends uh, to, to show the weaknesses of American forces and the mercenary private forces that brought in to take over. And it, full, it lulls the Iraqis into thinking they, they can attack them. So they actually set them up to attack the forces who are heavily armed. And uh, it's, it's run by, um, I'm sure it's the CIA. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's amazing how complete their, their control is. They have so much uh, controlled opposition that it's really tough to find uh, true sources of information and truth out there. Well, that's the whole thing. With all information, you, you have to, as I said at the beginning of the show, you have to really get into the older books written by the, the guys who were in the setting up of uh, a lot of the stages we're going through now. Uh, for the New World Order, as I say, the Bertrand Russells go through the H.G. Wellses, uh, their fiction and non-fictional books, uh, the Aldous Huxley, uh, various books and their lectures, which are out in print and audio, um, and, and listen to them, and, and also check to, the, to all the dates when these different organizations were set up as well. Go back even into H.G. Wells' uh, writing on the setting up of the League of Nations, which was at 1918, 1919, they set it up. Uh, which was, and where they hoped, they hoped at that time to, to bring the world to its knees with World War One, and it all become global. And, um, and H.G. Wells said a truth in it. He said, this is what we've been working at for so long, for so long, over a hundred years. So he's talking about the 1800s, early 1800s. He says, he says, now no, no longer can governments, um, uh, just uh, uh, report to each other and make treaties and so on. Now they'll have to send their own bureaucrats who will bypass the heads of government because there'll be a, be a League of Nations department within every government that signs on the treaty, just like they have for the United Nations. Every government has a UN department. And when you are signed to the United Nations, it doesn't matter which country sends you, you must sign their agreement that you no longer represent America, Britain, whatever. You belong to the United Nations. And so you've got the bureaucrats on a certain level bypassing all elected representatives and building up the treaties themselves, drafting it all up and getting the leaders to sign it. And so he was quite right. That's still happening today. Yeah, yeah we have a bunch of subversives running our government because they're Making these agreements and backdoor deals, and and uh, they make this oath to uh, protect the Constitution against enemies foreign or domestic. I don't know how they can do both. Well, well, it's a joke, you see, because see the U.S. government, and I think Carl Quigley is quite correct when he said uh, that um, the American public had not uh, ever voted in a free, independent candidate for 60 years, meaning meaning that late 1800s. When he wrote the book, it was in the 1960s. So in the late 1800s, uh, with, with the Milner Group and an American branch over in, in the U.S., you had Wilson put in with Mandel House and Lord Grey from London. Um, so, so literally, they'd always put their man in in top of all parties ever since then. And you've been under their control ever since then. And that's why they've used America to, to fund and police the world 
and bring the, the world under this common world standard government. I mean, most of the money for the UN comes from the United States too, the taxpayers. Yeah. I think a lot of people, I try to tell the uninitiated, the unenlightened, I say, you know, it's not really cream that rises to the top. I think it's scum because most good mm-hmm. people don't really desire to rule over others. Some people have the desire to help others, the mm-hmm. Gandhi types, but they aren't really driven to become leaders. And the ones that are, I, I always use this example. I make myself the bad guy. I say, okay, imagine we're both equally educated, we're both equally funded, both equally intelligent, but I'm a sociopath and you're not, and we're running for office. Who's going to win? Mm-hmm. I will win because I'm a sociopath. There's no limitations to what I will do to yeah. achieve that goal. Yeah. And they consider people with a conscience uh, as having a handicap, which is totally deranged yes. because they can't enjoy the smell of flour, the smile on a dog's face. They can't enjoy the beauty in this world. So they're they're constantly chasing after this power and this this one-upmanship on their their rich buddies, yeah. and they think they're better and smarter than us. They're actually, I, I actually kind of look down on them. I mean, I come from a family of engineers, educated people. My uncle had a, and when he joined the military in the 60s, had a, he scored, he blew the top off the test. He was only good to 185. So over a 185 plus IQ. My dad uh, designed rocket engines for the uh, Saturn rockets that went to the moon in the 60s. I'm not sure we went, but who knows? He, he has a patent for a collapsible nozzle on the Saturn V. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I look at these elite, and I just think, they actually think they're better than us, and I just laugh at them. I think, you're actually fools. I actually feel sorry for people who are sociopaths mm-hmm. because they can't enjoy life like those of us with a conscience can. Yeah. Their actual enjoyment is, is really going after their prey and beating them. That seems to be the only happiness they get is that they're ultimate predators in a sense. They'll use everyone else's skill to dominate other people and they use the sciences too. They dominate the whole monetary system and they have no conscience whatsoever how they get the money uh, at all. Uh, there's, there's no morality involved in it whatsoever or, or how many folk they toss out in the streets and lose their homes. There's no morality in it. It's simply winning and, and, and being one of the richest guys in Wall Street and, and you've, you've kind of made it, but you must stay aggressive because you're in amongst all the other top predators. And, and these guys are quite happy to to associate themselves with the, the term predator, the ultimate predator. It's amazingly how they don't even think it through because our brains are all very basically very similar. We have neuropeptides, which are chemicals. Some are endorphins, which are the class of uh, emotional drugs. We release them when we decide to. We don't have to have a huge group of people bow before us or, yeah. or beat someone in submission. But somehow they've, they're so simplistic and think they have to have that to release those chemicals. And they don't realize they can achieve that release of the neuropeptide on their own. So they're yes. really not as bright as they think they are. They're actually kind of simplistic, baser people. Mm-hmm. Simplistic, but when you get so many of them at the top, and they own the money system, uh, and they, they, they can control armies, uh, then you've got a problem, because they will, and, and they are able to work together in their clubs and their teams and their associations uh, against everyone else, and that's the big danger. And uh, they know too that the public know this, that, that eventually the public will have to, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be forced against a wall with rationing and so on, which will come, that's on the cards. They've said it at the United Nations and so on, that's part of their plan of austerity and getting us all under government. Um, I, I, so, so I have a question. I have a yeah. question for you because you seem like a very deep thinker. You, you would think this through. I've asked this to other people, they didn't know how to take it, but do you see a possibility of there being a renaissance in the near future 
with all this advanced technology, if you're able to improve the mind of man through artificial means, either computers or implants or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. wouldn't they be the ones who would want to use it for themselves? And is there a possibility that when they achieve a certain level of intellect, that they realize their old ways were flawed and they may change? Is that a possibility for a renaissance? They themselves don't want to change. And they've said in their own books that, that they must retain. See, what they want to do with the public is not to help you get along and think better, more clearly, or, or collect more data and retain it. Um, what they want to do to the public, really, is to control the public. And that's why they've said, and Charles Galton Darwin put this in his own book, The Next Million Years, and he said, we, we are the wild men. We are the leaders of the world. Um, we mustn't change ourselves because... Um, we must retain our survival capabilities. The idea of the brain chip is to, is you will no longer need your survival capabilities because the state will be making all your decisions f- for you. Never believe that technology will be given to help the people to, onto higher realms of understanding or more efficiency. Maybe more efficiency in some ways as better workers, but never to figure things out on a higher level. And, and it might even dumb you down in, in certain ways too. You definitely will be more passive. Maybe a very efficient worker, but, but, but more passive. Yeah. So wisdom isn't really tied to cognitive acuity then. Mm-hmm. Something you have to, it's kind of part of your spirit. I guess they just, they basically have a demonic thread running through them. <laughs> they, some of them actually, some of them I think would be quite proud of that statement because they do believe that there are different species that from, from ourselves actually. Thanks for calling. Back with more after this. Stand back, and we're cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to Stan from Ontario. Are you there, Stan? Hello, Alan. Yes. Yeah, this is Stan from St. Mary's, actually, Ontario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tough act to follow. He's a pretty educated fellow, that last caller there. Um, the IQ is an interesting thing that he brought up and stuff like that. It's, I don't know how exactly they measure the IQ and stuff like that, but from all the stuff that seems to be going on, it seems to be all lies. So uh, how do you base your IQ tests and stuff? Uh, what I've found, too, is IQ tests vary with cultures, too. Um, and the modern uh, levels of IQ, uh, IQ is really something you're born with, it's your intelligent quotient, uh, intelligence quotient, and, um, and technically it's how you would figure things out, little puzzles and all the rest of it, using, using logic see how, how your logic works. Uh, it doesn't really mean technically that you're intelligent. Uh, anyone uh, who's educated can be called intelligent, but really it just means that they're very good at parroting what they've been taught. Whereas real IQ, a real IQ would be, can you figure out how to get from here to there in the shortest possible way or whatever? Um, but the United Nations has dropped the points of the, the new standards, the new average standards, about five points in the last few years, because we're all dropping. Everyone's dropping now. And the thing is that the injections are getting what's causing this. It's actually dropping. So it really doesn't mean so much today, you know. No. And, and it doesn't mean that you're a better person uh, morally um, in a decent sort of way or anything else. I mean, some of the, the worst mass murderers in history have uh, been given high IQs. 
And psychopaths, strangely enough, can often have a, uh, the, the ones who get up there in politics or into top positions, um, even CEOs of corporations can have a, a fairly high score on, a, on a, an IQ pattern because a, a psychopath isn't worried about little um, moral problems that you have all day long with your, with your fellow workers, how, how they're thinking about you now. And that doesn't even enter their head, uh, so they don't have that stress. So they can think very clearly upon where they want to go and, and what, what they want to do at that particular time. Same in examinations. They do. In fact, a psychopath cannot handle uh, stress, so they push it off from themselves or get it worked off through other people. They'll get everyone else fighting with everybody else, and they'll sit back and, and smile. That's how they get rid of their, their frustration. So that, that really helps them appear to have a, a higher IQ. It's, it's just an interesting my point was, I guess, the education system that they taught us, they essentially wanted a bunch of yes-men Yes. that would have fit into that measurable... There's, there's no doubt. Uh, there's no doubt, in fact, even Webster, who um, was the best speechwriter in the 1800s, um, he, one of his speeches, he's, he was about education and the kind of education he'd create for America, and he said, we shall create good, law-abiding, um, obedient citizens obedient citizens. And then if you read the, the Frankfurt School, they brought in the Frankfurt School experts um, who, whose job it was to use all the different scientific techniques to once again bring a new type of uh, child into the world with uncontaminated with the old values and make them very obedient, very obedient to the idea of communal living, communal decisions, the Sovietized system. And that's what's been taught in Canadian schools as well. It's all groupthink, no individual think. Yes, you're quite right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it was nice to talk to you, Alan. Uh, uh, I hear your music at the going there. You're doing a great job. Uh, talk to you oh. again, eh? Call again, sure enough. Thanks for calling. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, and that's a very fast hour. Always goes too quickly. It's good night to me. Your God or your God's school with you.